0: Welcome to Rockstock Channel. It is Wednesday, August 24th. Uh, We are very privileged to have uh, for the third time uh, Pilbara Minerals uh, on our podcast, but for the first time, Dale Henderson, who joined as CEO just a a couple of months ago, and I had a great opportunity to meet at the Fast Markets Conference um, and uh, had a good chat there, but also uh, if you close your eyes, uh, or if you're listening to this just on on audio, I, I found listening to him in his presentation when he was sitting there with, with Ganfeng, Albemarle, uh, you know, live and, uh, you know, as an incumbent uh, that, that Pilbara is, his voice could have easily mistaken him for Ken Brinsden. You just had your, I guess, your half yearly or quarterly call. You've committed to conference calls. The cash on your balance sheet is, is now enormous. The, the last vodcast we did with ken which was almost a year ago uh we called it spodumene speculation you're having lived for five years as chief operating officer and now taking the reins as ceo uh you are in a very healthy company interested to hear
1: your thoughts you know on the current market and the strategy kind of going forward yeah thanks for having pilbra back yeah i'll try not to uh, sound too much like ken there howard thanks for that one
2: you've got a lot of cash Sitting in the treasury, is that uh, earmarked for spending, or will um, Pilbara become a dividend-paying company in the near future?
1: What we've guided is to, to give more clarity around this um, by December uh, this year, and what the board will consider is the full spectrum of options, uh, which of course includes dividends, share buybacks, so all of the above uh, will be considered, but. It'll be year late in the calendar year that we'll come back um, and guide the market. Um, i would also add that uh, we do have um, a limitation within our, our finance facilities currently around uh, um, when we can stream cash from the operating company to the head co. Uh, that, that comes away at the end of the calendar year and at which point uh, is in a position uh, to do other things at that point.
2: And if you look historically you know, China was the only game in town to sell spodumen to. In your mind, is that is that changing?
1: It is changing, uh, but uh, there is a gestation period uh, involved. Uh, so China, um, yes, remains the, the dominant manufacturing hub for for all things uh, lithium-ion, uh, the chemicals, the battery making, so on and so forth. Um, of course, there's some uh, battery and chemicals within... Uh, Korea and Japan, and then outside of that, uh, there's plenty of emerging hubs, but as it relates to manufacturing horsepower, China-centric dominated, I'd probably say South Korea uh, number two, and some big moves ahead in South Korea, and part of the strategic rationale for Pilbara was to partner with uh, POSCO for uh, our joint venture plant with uh, POSCO in Guanyang, South Korea, which that uh, they're busy uh, moving forward with that build as we speak.
2: And um, you're also looking at, uh, at midstream expansion uh, vis-a-vis Calyx. Is that something you could see growing into a meaningful line item for Pilbara?
1: If it all goes well, yes. The, we, we think about our midstream project as an R&D project currently, but a very promising one. The test work, We've done the scoping studies. We've done are all very positive about uh, what this could do for us. And and for anyone who's not familiar um, with our midstream uh, project, what it's about is essentially moving the front of the chemicals process to the mine site. And rather than produce a a spodumene concentrate at six percent lithium oxide, produce a high grade lithium salt. With the advantage being producing a much more high concentrated lithium product, uh, whilst also leaving the alumina silicate at the mine site, which would normally be part of Bodrumine Concentrate. And lastly, and really most importantly, a big step down in the carbon intensity for that product. So as I say, it, it looks very positive, but we need to step through the development curve for that. So the next key step for us is the construction of a demonstration plant. Uh, which we plan to do at the mine site. Now, the FID for that uh, project we ex- expect probably uh, late in the calendar year this year, if not late this year, very early next year.
0: Can I interject just on that midstream project with Calyx? Uh, you're going to you're seeking to
1: make what
0: type of intermediate
1: product? Uh, at this stage, we're looking at a lithium phosphate uh, salt, um, but we are we are open to and are exploring other types of salts. So it could be um, a lithium sulfate, uh, for example. Um, there's there's several different salts which are possible, but they all fundamentally follow through the same uh, initial unit step uh, processes.
0: So if you make a lithium, if it works and you're making a lithium phosphate and you're making that somewhere close to mine mouth, you're then able to export uh, a higher value-added product and less waste to whatever location it might be. It may not be China. It may be somewhere else. But on the receiving end of that, you're going to need converters. That kind of it's like taking half the flow sheet today, right, and just putting it closer to mine mouth, right. And then the other half of the flow sheet, you know, you need a partner on the other side. Again, if this if this works. Do you have any sense of what a price for lithium phosphate or lithium sulfate you know might be compared to, you know, as an intermediate product compared to a spodumene price versus a lithium carbonate or hydroxide price?
1: Yeah, we don't have a strong guide uh, on this at this point, simply as a function that the the product um, is, is not marketed; it's not in the market as we speak today. Um, we can. Uh, aggregate the price. You know, if we take lithium phosphate, we can look at price points for lithium carbonate and price points for phosphate, and and make some assumptions around that. But there's there's not a lot to go by. Um, but therein lies one of the uh, key um, key objectives for getting the demonstration plant stood up and, and operating. Uh, that that will produce for us approximately uh, 3,000 tons per annum. So it's a fairly large demonstration plant, but at those volumes, we will be able to test the market for pricing and bear down uh, the value
0: of that product. Okay, I'm very I'm familiar with lithium sulfate as an intermediate and know that that could be easily converted to you know carbonate. Um, I don't know if that can go directly to hydroxide, but can lithium phosphate go to carbonate and hydroxide easily?
1: Uh... Yeah, the, the the way to think about it is the the lithium phosphate it's a it's a carrier salt, and for any of our existing customers, if they were to receive that uh, uh, lithium phosphate salt, what they would need to do is get that back into solution, um, i.e., acid acid digestion, get that back into solution, uh, precipitate out uh, the phosphate and precipitate out the lithium, so they would be left with a a phosphate product which could be ammonium phosphate. So um, and then take the lithium forward uh, within their circuit into lithium hydroxide or lithium carbonate, depending what what they're chasing. Uh, as to that uh, um, uh, phosphate, um, you know, one of the, the good reasons around using a, a phosphate carrier um, is phosphate's got other uses uh, in, fer- in fertilizer, so on and so forth. So we think it's a, it's a sensible uh, product for that reason. And it also has uh, some chemical attributes which um, make it quite desirable, um, such as uh, the actual concentration of lithium is very, very high in a lithium phosphate salt, uh, higher than lithium sulphate, and in fact higher than lithium hydroxide. So as a a method by which to transport lithium units, um, lithium uh, phosphate is quite a compelling option. Can that phosphate be used in LFP batteries as well as the fertilizer market? Yes. And this is another potential advantage uh, for pursuing uh, this product is it has the potential to open up a larger customer set. Uh, So picking up not only the existing uh, lithium hydroxide and carbonate customer pool, but also uh, the lithium phosphate uh, producers, LFP producers.
2: The difficulties around labor shortages in Western Australia, is that an issue for you guys? And is it something that you feel is short-term and will be resolved uh, in the later date?
1: Yeah, the Western Australian market is, is absolutely sort of red hot. Um, so it's competitive um, for attracting uh, talent and, and expertise. So uh, it, it is a tough environment. Uh, that being said, has fared pretty well. I mean, we have had some key roles, uh, which have been pinch points, uh, particularly in mining around uh, dozer operators and excavator uh, operators, uh, which, which we're addressing. Um, but outside of that, largely we, we, we've gone pretty well uh, with our recruitment drive. And I think that's, to, to, for a number of reasons, um, people like lithium, um, the Pilbara business and culture um, has been a draw card. so a big credit to the team there. And of course, we we pay the right uh, salaries and rosters, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, those sorts of things. So, in the main, our assessment is we've, we've fared pretty well. But yes, there has been some pinch points.
2: The B M X platform, which seems to have been a fantastic success for you guys, do you see um, yourselves expanding sales volumes on that platform in the future as a means of uh, you know increasing as
1: sales volumes, yeah, Rodney. That it's likely, yes, we will, um, as a function of uh, the product production profile for the year ahead, we will have, uh, you know, an aggregate five hundred forty to five hundred eighty thousand tons uh, for the year ahead. Uh, it's been our good guidance, and and within that, essentially, the Nugaju tons are, are largely uh, available uh, for the spot market. Uh, so, yeah, we, we will look to put uh, more through uh, the BMX, I think, for the year ahead.
0: So the Nuggerjoo is the ex-Altura um, mine. That was uh, 200
1: to 220,000 tons, if I remember? Well, yeah, we, we're, our rating for the facility is 180 to 200. Well, when,
0: I, when I look at your off-take, I had to go all the way back to May of 2021 to find a presentation where you had all of your off-take customers. I think you've taken that, that slide out. But... Um, your offtake customers are, are, with the exception of POSCO, you know, are all Chinese. You know, from General Lithium, Ganfeng, S Volt, Great Wall, you know, CATL, you know, and Yibin Tanyi. And I, when I look at these, um, you know, six-year offtake in General Lithium case, Ganfeng ten plus ten years, um, Great Wall six years, uh, CATL actually, uh, Yibin, I guess, has the the five-year offtake, and CATL has the you know the shareholding. But um, that was six years from last year. So I guess you have five years, I guess, like how much of your existing tonnage is contracted under these and how much are freely available to either put on the BMX platform or to redirect, you know, away from China and into, you know, Western markets potentially, because there's a lot of conversion, you know, companies who want to convert who don't have spodumene.
1: Yes, in terms of our production profile, uh, probably the easiest place to start is uh, once we're expanded to what we call the P1000 level, being a million tonnes per annum, we have approximately 400,000 tonnes available. Um, That has potential to increase, subject to where we take some of the existing offtakes. so, but it's it's circa 400,000 tonnes. Once we're at that expanded profile, which requires really the next two steps of expansion that we, we have in motion uh, to be completed. But bringing that back to the pre- present production profile at 540 to 580 for the year ahead, the the way to think about it is our, our pill gan operation. You know, our original operation at 380,000 tonnes, or, or circa that that value is essentially spoken for for the next. A couple of years. the nugaju tons, or the former altura, one hundred and eighty to two hundred thousand tonnes, um, will will be required for our Posco joint venture. but that Posco joint venture requirement won't come until late next year, and at that point it would likely be a sort of a staged production requirement uh, for the joint venture. They won't need their full um, requirement initially. So between now and the end of next calendar year, that's largely uh, unencumbered uh, production tons, which can be um, redeployed um, through other avenues, either to existing customers or BMX, etc. cetera. Okay, but you can't commit that long term. So if
0: like Ford, uh, who just signed something with um, Town for... I don't know six years or how many years it is, but but they won't get that for many years. But with someone like a a Tesla, you know, w- 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 would want tonnage, or GM would want tonnage now, right? For five or six years, you can't really promise them that because of the POSCO JV um, directly, unless they were you know contracting with POSCO somehow, right? Um, for POSCO's tonnage. I'm just trying to figure out how could you prospectively redirect you know outside of you know Korea, outside of China, potentially into you know North American and European markets, and what time frame?
1: Yeah, so there's going from left to right and and uh, time horizon. So the next next expansion uh, should be coming online uh, by June next year, so that're bolting on another hundred thousand. um by which point we, we should have had the FID for the P1000 to take us up to a million tonnes per annum. So that will have a obviously a lag, but let's say that's 12 months to 18 months. So so from December this year, um, December this year is when our FID is slated for that P1000. So come the uh, mid-24th, uh, that step up to the P1000 should be completed and and, and ready to be operational. So by by mid 24, uh, there's the the circa 400,000. And and the other thing I would add is I mentioned it depends where we we might take some of our existing offtake uh, arrangements as well. So there's another a factor for us to consider. So. Okay
0: so 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 400 if I'm Ford and I'm cutting a deal with Liontown which you know uh, they're not getting their tons before 2025 right mm-hmm. you, you you could theoretically offer Ford 400,000 tons right from 2024 yeah. uh, as or more credibly than Liontown could um Liontown's getting funding for that you don't need funding how do you think about that calculus about I'm sure you've been approached or have some dialogue um, with with, you know, th- these auto companies are no longer asleep at the wheel um, to use <laughs> to use Ken's quote from like six months ago. Uh, they, they must be talking to you. You're in an unbelievably strong position vis-a-vis them. And I don't know why you would want to commit, you know, to a fixed price um, you know, at this juncture. Help us think through a little bit um, how
1: those dialogues you're thinking about those dialogues sure so from Pilbara's perspective of course our, our aim is to to maximize margin per lithium unit for our shareholders um, so with with that aim in mind uh, downstream participation makes good sense uh, because we're in that way we're, we've helped uh, add more value per lithium unit through, through more processing and the joint venture we've done with POSCO is, is a good example of, of partnering um, with, a, with a counterpartner uh, in a joint venture to achieve that aim. So of course, in the, in the case of the POSCO joint venture, we're initially an 18% um, equity participant with an option to move up to 30%. So for Pilbara shareholders, they enjoy the benefit of selling the spodumene to that joint venture. Which is the first first uh, margin increment, and then there's the second margin increment as a function of being an economic participant in the chemical plant. So th- that model is not a bad model um, to consider as we think about where the, the where that other offtake um, is deployed. The question is who and where. Now within the the who category, there's uh, a, quite a large uh, group, um, and where well there's there's some less there's less options to be considered there, but um, as Philbra thinks about um, yeah where that offtake goes that's where our mind gravitates to is what is the smartest um, partnership for downstream involvement to to participate quickly um, at a lower at a lower risk profile uh, more more margin through chemicals participation
0: and the the Pasco, um relationship are, are is PASCO 100, or is that 43,000 tons that they're building in Korea 100% reliant on your spadrion? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, we've just witnessed um, mineral resources taking back half of their share from Mount Marion and then toll converting it um, in Ganfeng. And the way they have talked about it, they got the 77,000 price because- a very high price for hydroxide because Ganfeng is a, a tier one qualified converter. But w- w- the way they spoke about it, that they kept 30% of the margin for the spodamine, right? And we're giving 15% of the margin essentially to um, Ganfeng. Um, uh, you know, And 15% has always been Rodney's thought of like a Chinese converter would need 15%. But we've seen a lot of Chinese are, are happy to work on smaller margins than that. When you think of your relationship with Posco, uh, and, and you you do have the control, they need your spodumene, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, and you want participation to maximize the lithium units. But do you think about it that way? In like a thirty percent, fifteen percent, you know, if forty five percent is the the margin on those units, or how do you think about that?
1: Yeah, well, the, the respective margin, could, yeah, could have room to move um, at the current market, and and the 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 deal construct um, I outlined was was really cast back in 2018 when we first engaged with with Posco and Pilbara was in a, quite a different position and, and as was the market. So um, the potential to to uh, move to a different margin uh, position I think uh, is definitely possible and of course Pilbara will explore that. Um, I'll probably just add that. You know the the rationale for us partnering with with POSCO ha, has other elements. Um, we think partnering with 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 POSCO is smart for a whole bunch of reasons. But being in South Korea, you know, an existing battery making hub uh, makes good sense. Um, POSCO's uh, uh, in the in the town of Gwanyang. POSCO owns the town. Uh, they're a stone throw from LG Chem, FK Innovation, EcoPro established operating set in, centers. Uh, POSCO CAM is, is right next door to where our plant's being built, an existing cathode making facility. Um, and POSCO, being POSCO, uh, are pretty aggressive about moving forward quickly. So for Pilbara, uh, there's, a, there's a multitude of strategic benefits for, for partnering with them in that location. Now, if you compare and contrast that construct to a tolling arrangement through China, Yes, tolling um, is not a bad model um, in the current market to to create margin. Pilbara is definitely considering that, Uh, but uh, as to a long game partnership, I'm I'm not sure that that's the most attractive option for Pilbara or or its shareholders. I think we like the idea of diversification outside of China to just to spread spread risk, uh, plus have that participation in other domiciles. Um, and be partnered with with good groups who, who will participate at the high end um, lithium hydroxide uh, chemicals.
2: I mean, it looks as if spodumene concentrate grades are dropping slightly. Is five and a half percent the new six, or grades going to start trending back up again?
1: I think the the trend is down, uh, Rodney, for, for grade as as a function of the better economics uh, it provides. Uh, obviously, moving down the product-grade curve enables the mineral uh, concentrator miner to and increase uh, product yield through the operation. Uh, so our observation is, has been a moving down that grade curve. And uh, for Pilbara, it, we are starting to step down that curve. And uh, we guided um, in our June quarterly activities report you know, the, the benefit we see in starting to step down that curve all for the purpose of of increased production volume.
2: The only way we see prices falling materially is if undisciplined tonnage comes online. Do you see any potential suppliers that could uh, ruin the party uh, and um, bring on volume that leads to oversupply?
1: Rodney, the short answer is no. No, we don't see um, any signs of, of that happening in the near term. I think the the groups best placed to to bring more tonnage to market are, are the existing larger operators, whom um, we all know and it's fairly clear where where they are at um, with their with their their expansion profile. So yeah, we don't we don't have any cause for concern in the near term. Uh, of course, we watch with interest really around the midterm view because absolutely, you know, more product is coming to market. There's no question about that. Uh, it's all about the timing and it's all about where has the demand side of the equation moved to by that point. And on the demand side, um, all signs are very, very positive. So um, it's hard not to have a positive outlook at this point.
2: And, and, you know, in your opinion, does that positive outlook stretched out into as far as mid-decade?
1: It's uh it's the crystal ball gazing uh um uh effort here and it's hard it's hard not to be positive. I mean, you know, we read the headlines as everyone else does and just these giant investments and more battery parks and more chemical conversion, more cathodes. Every, every day
0: it seems another one's opening. Come December, if I could just give you some free advice or advice to your board, um, I, I would recommend uh, not to pay any dividend. This industry has been starved for capital, and you know, if I'm a Pilbara or a shareholder, what am I going to do with that cash invested in something? I mean, like as a as a creator of shareholder value in the lithium space, this is a growth industry. And a lot, you know, you have massive expertise that could be utilized elsewhere. And to me, dividends are, you know, kind of more mature companies, you know, Albemarle consistently, you know, they're focused, you know, on, on dividends for whatever, you know, reason, you know, their investment grade credit rating, um, you know, Livent doesn't pay a dividend. I remember meeting with the Cobra people before they m- moved to Galaxy and they're like, you know, we'll never pay a dividend, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know if that's changed since, but... Having been through what you've been through as a company and only now, you know, having cash, surely there must be better ways to utilize your cash in this growing market, you know, M&A. And I'm just going to assume that you're, you know, you'd be very focused on spodumene resources.
1: Hard Rocks, Uh, we've honed our expertise. And if we were to consider anything outside of the Pilgrim Gore asset, yeah, that would be where we would look.
0: Okay. So you're a two-mine company, uh, but they're really right next to each other. So it's the same mm-hmm. region. You've seen mineral resources recently take a stake in uh, global lithium, but you've seen companies like Lithium Americas uh, now making investments in multiple companies. They're not even in production yet. Similarly, Piedmont has partnered um, with, with multiple assets, taking advantage of the downturn in kind of the junior space. You took advantage you know, on Altura, but from a deal-making perspective, I would think that Pilbara again. I'm going to flash up a screen. I, I just took our scoreboard of only the spodumene assets here, and you know it ranges from Town at the top and ABZ in the DRC, you know Sigma Core, Siana, Piedmont, Frontier, Rock Tech, Critical Elements, Atlantic Lithium, Global Lithium, Firefinch, Patriot Battery, which Ken just joined as chairman, Green Tech, which is Primero and Cam Henry. know and, and a number of others you know winsome resources in quebec most of them are it's kind of canada and africa right and a little bit in in the us um i would even think that albemarle has no idea what they're doing you know mining wise you know for king's mountain in north carolina i would imagine as part of the marble joint venture they would rely on um uh mineral resources help potentially there in the future you know, but Livent has no idea what they're doing with Namaska, you know, on a mining site, right, to to be honest, right, they don't know hard rock, right, so they are now own 50%, you know, the Quebec government owns 50%, I mean, you, you would look, I would think you'd be a great partner potentially for Livent and Namaska, for example, Allchem, I guess, does know what they're doing, you know, with, with James Bay, but, you know, so I just see opportunities, and, and if I look at the aggregate market caps of these companies relative to your market cap and relative to the cash you have in the bank, you know, you could acquire these companies, you could acquire 50%, you know, in Atlantic Lithium's case. So I just, I see huge opportunity if you were to take a strategy that's a bit different than mineral resources, or let's say even Fortescue um, in iron ore, you know, just focused on your Western Australia roots, but becoming actually a global company in a similar way that actually Ganfeng has done that, you know, as well. So- Mm -hmm. Could you speak to that and your thought process? Because um, I'd love to see Pilbara, you know,
1: become a global company. We're absolutely turning our mind to um, what would the next thing look like for for Pilbara Minerals, and we haven't concluded that view. So it could be anything, but you know, obviously, it would make good sense for us to to leverage our strengths, and our strengths, of course, have been hard rock uh, asset development and operation and would be well It make good sense to to redeploy that so obviously that's where our mind goes do you have
0: any jurisdictional um thoughts or constraints you know drc ghana quebec ontario brazil are they all open in your mind or would you have a preference uh, one or the
1: other or north carolina Um, sure (laughs) my personal my personal preference would be um Either in our backyard, of course, um, or North America.
0: And uh, with the passage of uh, a number of laws in America, uh, it, our observation is that, you know, America, it's only one country versus Europe, which is however many countries, but Europe was like ahead uh, in their thinking under Trump. Um, but now Biden has really, you know, brought America to the fore here and, and, and Canada seem, is following that uh, as well. So I, I, I really, you know, you just see the Germans in, um, you know, in in, in Canada, uh, Mercedes and Volkswagen and Volkswagen saying they're going to take, you know, investments in, mo- in mines, you know, by the end mm-hmm. of this year. Have you thought about shipping or from Western Australia to Europe or the United States uh, or, or North America, like once it's on a boat in Port Hedland, you know, once it gets to China, it has to travel enormous amount, you know, to be converted. So, you know, the shipping cost and the ESG issue is is not as big as as people think once it's on the boat from Port Hedland. So, mm-hmm. you know, why not have spodamine feeding converters um, in North America? And Europe.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely possible, Howard. Um, so that could be a, a, sh- a short to midterm solution. Uh, I don't think that's a long term solution. As it relates to long term, I think it's most likely that a, a midstream type solution comes to the fore. Um, if, if not, our project, uh, a, a similar concept. It just doesn't make good sense, I think, long term to be shipping spodumene as a carrier of of lithium units. The rationale for that is that unlike iron ore, even though you're shipping a low
0: value product, you're using almost all of the iron ore Uh, in lithium, you're only using 5.5 or 6%. And unless there are byproducts that could be utilized in the local market, a lot of it's waste. You're bringing a waste problem into someone else's location. Yeah, that's right comparing spogmine market to iron ore, you know iron ore companies are 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 making software margins, you know, a lot of the time. you know Rio Tinto, although those with the lowest cost assets. I mean in in the last year or two years, you look at Fortescue, Rio Tinto, they're making Mar, you know eighty percent, seventy percent margins, but they trade at very low multiples. And if you look at the forward curve, it's always in backwardation. you know it's always steeply. Going down, and and the market, I guess, believes just I don't know what iron ore is growing slower. It's a, mostly a China dominated market. Lithium, in our opinion, is growing much faster. It is a China dominated market now, but you know it won't be in a few years, and therefore a higher multiple, you know, is justified. We call I've called you Pilbara, the new force in uh, in spodumene, right? To, to taking. Um, Fortescue's uh, New Force and Iron Ore, you know, Canaccord just came out with their most recent updated note, and they upgraded their long-term uh, forecast for Spodumene to fifteen hundred, I think, from twelve hundred, or maybe it was a it was a thousand from a thousand to fifteen hundred is their long long term. But Macquarie did the same, but they didn't change their long-term view. The 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 next kind of couple of months. So there's like this presumption that. It will turn into some commoditized market like iron ore, and you know, and it got it. It has to come back to you know just cost of production economics. You know, is this true? I mean, it creates confusion in the market still. You know, it's a crystal ball gazing. But I mean, what's your gut tell you? I mean, even Rodney is like, you want to be conservative. Um, I think Rodney has fifteen hundred. You know, similarly or twenty two thousand. You know, on the carbonate hydroxide, but why can't it be thirty thousand? Right. You know, 70,000 seems egregious, but you know, why is 1,500 and 22,000 the right number? And those are outlier high. Most other analysts are lower than
1: that. I think what everyone struggles with is it is the the birth of of a new industry. We've got no track record to follow here. We're seeing this incredible growth curve and we're seeing a supply response occur, but that supply response is coming from a very small base. And that supply response um, includes a lot of what we think will be quite high cost uh, producers. My personal view is absolutely long run pricing has to come up, particularly um, from the levels which were being reported a couple of years ago. If we went back as as short as 18 18 months ago, I think long run pricing was considered far less than where it is today, been significantly upgraded. Do I think it could be upgraded further? Yeah, I think it's possible, absolutely.
0: Finally, we asked you about, uh, you know, you prospectively making acquisitions, but there was some speculation on Twitter, like last week that, you know, Rio Tinto may buy you, right? You know, uh, uh, um, and, you know, BHP, I mean, the, the, the big guys have kind of like ignored this market for a while, mm-hmm. but if you look at Ford and, and others, they want to partner with the big boys. I mean, you're again, now an incumbent uh, in in my opinion, but, I've always thought like their multiples are so low and you have high multiple, then it, it would be hard to be accretive. Um, and I believe that their valuations are too low um, and, and they should re-rate. What's the risk
1: that uh, you get taken over? I guess um, everything has its price. And um, <laughs> if, uh, if I asked our, our chairman, you know, what, what does he think um, about an offer? He would say, well, let's take a look. Um, we'll take a look at, on behalf of shareholders and, We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And I think that's that's really what it boils down to. I think yeah, P- Pilbara's value is, is starting to get recognised and, and what we see is more it's a, a significant upside still from this point forward. If, if a group was to, to bid for Pilbara, well, I think there'd be a bit of fever of activity around that and we'd we'll see what happens. But uh, Everything has its price. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: But but not not nothing uh, strong circles uh, and approaches uh, at no, present. Not at all. It's exciting times to be in the industry, and um, you know I listened to Ken's you know swan song you know podcast with with our friend Joe Lowry, which I thought was mm. great. You know, watching uh, Pilbara's ups and downs over the years. When when, when you took over. Altura, it was like really smart, but equally smart were the investors, you know, Oz, Super and Resource Capital, you know, invested mm. you know, that 36 cents um, mm. to fund that acquisition, right? You, you think an established, the relatively established producer, it's up 10 times, right? From that point, uh, your stock. So very impressive, great opportunities in the business. But yeah, it's, it's wonderful to see all the cash on your balance sheet and- um look forward to you know your moves but uh, don't pay a dividend make some acquisition <laughs> p- partner in north america you know there's all sorts of companies you know on this yeah. list it, you, you can buy five lithium spodumene assets in north america you know with your cash um yeah. Yeah. in whole right you know or, or you could just partner and help finance so um we'll be watching closely so good luck dale and uh, we'll, we'll speak soon Take care. Uh thanks for the
1: thanks for the call, guys. Really enjoyed it.